it's important to have context of where your organization is. It's important to give it the time that it needs to, to really understand what is it that you're trying to solve. Sometimes it might look like the same problem, but the why behind the problem might be completely different. Hello, and you are listening to the Product Builders Podcast. In each episode, your hosts, Sean O'Shea and Mark Garcia of Majestic Apps, speak with some of today's leading product builders. We dive into their stories and tactical lessons that you can use when building digital products. This episode is brought to you by Majestic Apps. We imagine, design, and build digital products. Ready to create something amazing? Contact us at MajesticApps.com. Welcome back to the Product Builders Podcast. This is your host, Mark Garcia, and joining me today, we have our guest, Abhishek Nagaraju, the Director of Product, Discovery, and Experience at Plato TV. He is a product management professional with experience providing the leadership and direction needed to drive product growth. Abhishek, thank you for joining me today. How's everything going? Thanks for having me, Mark. Things are going great and looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, so I've given a brief introduction to who you are, but I'd love if you could introduce yourself and talk about your background, what you do. Sure. You definitely touched on it. I currently work at Pluto TV as the director of product for discovery and experiences. And what that really means is as a customer, when you open the Pluto TV app, you're trying to find content to watch and you want to make sure you're having a great experience while you're watching content. So all of the problems and feature sets that come into solving those problems is what me and my team manage. So a big part of what we do is making sure customers are not only finding and watching content that they want, but while they're doing all of that, they're having a a great experience doing all of that. Great. And I do have a small confession to make. I am familiar with Pluto TV. I've seen it on my smart TV, but I actually have never opened the app. And when we had our initial conversation about having you on the show, of course, decided to to check it out and I'm, I'm hooked. I am a new user. I love what you guys are doing. So I'm curious to know how you arrived at Pluto TV. What was your career path that led you to where you are now? Sure. Well, firstly, I'm glad we, we were able to get a new customer on board. So that's, that's <laughs> always a good, that's always good news. My background. So I, I've, I have a few different things that I've dabbled in before landing as a product management professional, Mark. I started my career as a software engineer. I was an electronics and communication engineer that ended up learning how to write software code. Worked as a, a software engineer for a, a banking solutions product for about three years. So that's where I started my career, but I always knew it wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do for the longer term. So while I was working as a software professional, I also had a small event management company that I was running. It was always an interest of getting into the business side of stuff. It's not something I went to school for, so was learning it by doing different things. I used to host certain events in, in college when I was in, uh, in my undergrad program and then kind of took that into more of an entrepreneurial venture and we, as a company, were uh, running sporting events for corporates. So think of cricket events and indoor soccer tournaments for professionals that worked in different software companies where I grew up in Bangalore, India. So I did that for a few few months, about a year. And then that's got me into a business school path, which, which is what brought me to America. So I did my MBA in international business at Thunderbird School of Global Management. And while I was doing my MBA, I got introduced to the pay TV slash streaming industry through my internship. Got into the pay TV world at Dish Network and started my career as a brand slash marketing manager for their international portfolio. So what that really means is 
Dish Network had a business unit where they would source content from around the world for expats in America. So you would have content from India, from the Middle East, from different parts of the world that they would bring to people that lived in America that didn't have access to that content. So I was managing that for a little bit. Again, brand and marketing, I thought was my calling, realized it's not my calling. At that point, Sling TV was a, was a brand new streaming service that Dish Network was had just launched or they were in the process of launching and they were trying to scale that team. I got an opportunity to join that team as a, a partner slash product manager, which was basically managing relationships of the Sling TV application on different distribution platforms. So think of your Google App Store, your Apple Store, Amazon, Roku, the different distribution platforms that streaming TV is currently on. So that's what got me into product management. I didn't really know it was product management at that time. It was managing the relationship of Sling TV on these different device platforms. But that just required a lot of work with different stakeholders, engineering, design, your business development, uh, operations, et cetera, to, to really have a successful application at that point on these devices. So eventually, as this company started growing, we realized this is a product function, officially called it product management, started building a team around as we started scaling as a, as a company and as an application. So long story short, been in product management since then. I think it's really pulled me into the essence of product management. I think every day I learn more about what product management really is, and that's what interests me a lot about the function. But yeah, that's kind of a little bit of my career path so far. Great. And it sounds like you have really deep experience within the television industry. And what really excites me about this conversation we're going to have today is just when you think about the evolution of TV and how it started with you know, cable TV and having commercial breaks and the way we consumed it has just completely changed now to everyone is streaming off of these networks and kind of on-demand content. So that's not my realm. That's what we're going to dig into today. Before we dive into product management as a whole, I'd love to share with the audience. So Pluto TV, for those who might not be familiar with it, you've already touched upon it. It is a free streaming service at the most basic explanation, if you will. Can you talk a little bit more about Pluto TV and some of the unique features you guys offer and what you are as a platform as a whole? For sure. Pluto TV was one of the pioneers in free ad-supported TV. So I think as you kind of briefly alluded to, Mark, TV in, in America especially has had a really long history. It's not a, you know, TV as TV isn't necessarily a new paradigm, but the way it's been distributed or for people to consume it has definitely changed over the years. And I think streaming is one such part of that evolution right now. Where Pluto TV really comes in as a, as a differentiator or a value proposition is it's one, it's free, which is is definitely new to the industry. I think it's always been an expensive ordeal to subscribe or watch television. Pluto TV saw this gap in the market where there's a lot of TV that people consume that don't really need to be behind a, a paywall. There are other ways to monetize and still have a sustainable business by not putting all that cost on the user especially kind of in the live linear space, right? When you think about live TV, true live TV right now is mainly revolves around sports or news or like an event that might be happening. Like think of any award function like the Oscars or some major event that's happening in the world that everybody's tuning into. So it's appointment-based viewing has definitely changed. The use cases of appointment-based viewing have, have, have changed over the, over the years. 
I think the the invent of on-demand television or your streaming on-demand television, like the Netflixes and the Hulus, definitely had a big role to play in that. Where a lot of your shows that people spend time watching are now available for you to watch on your own terms. So. where pluto tv really comes in is we kind of make it very easy for users to kind of still have that nostalgic experience of i turn the tv on and there's something playing in the background like there's something that already i know for a fact that there's tv there's quality content that's playing without me needing to have to go around and search and and find find content which the netflixes and the hulus have brought a lot of you know uh, have changed how people view television it's also brought in a little bit of paradox of choice right there's a lot of choice out there and it it can be easy to get lost in in the analysis paralysis of what do i watch and and how do i where do i spend my time today right there's just so many options available for users so pluto is making it easy for users to be like hey just come in watch tv that isn't too heavy on the head you can kind of browse around find content that's nostalgic so where pluto tv comes in is we have a huge catalog of content that is available for users to just access for free and and how we monetize or how we have a sustainable business is we insert ads or we we provide ads to the users that are while while they're watching that content so you don't have to go down the path of subscribing to a service not knowing if you want the service or not because there's so many other subscription services available and it can get heavy on the wallet when you're subscribing to all these different services so pluto is definitely catering to the audience where you don't have to worry about all of that all you have to worry about is the content that we have on the service and we're making it as easy and simple for you to access that where you open the app and there's content already playing for you yeah i love that you've brought up the idea of a paradox of choice i think what i loved most when i tried it out for the first time was i didn't have to think about anything i just turned it on and something was there when you think about at least myself when you're trying to find content on netflix or hulu or any of those other providers sometimes you spend more time looking for something to watch than actually watching the content that you're looking for. So it was just a nice change of pace, not having to think and just really being able to turn something on, have it sit in the background without feeling like you're making a very, let's say, heavy choice about what you're going to spend the next 30 minutes hour on. So love that you brought that up and thank you for that background. Really interesting to hear about the I guess business model of what Pluto TV is doing. And so you are the director of product there. You've touched upon this a little bit in terms of what you and your team focus on, but can you talk more about what your day-to-day looks like and what your responsibilities are as the director of product for Pluto TV? Absolutely. When I think about my day-to-day responsibilities, especially as the director of product and, and managing a team of product managers that are actively solving problems for our customers and our business, my day-to-day as much as possible is trying to help my team succeed. it is how do we make sure that they have everything the resources that they need they have the the alignment the the clarity that is required for them to do their job well i know it sounds a little high level and vague but i try to honestly spend my time really making sure my team has what they need to do to be successful because i truly believe that if i can be successful only if they can be successful and and we as a a product team can be successful only if all of us are aligned and are kind of looking out for each other. I believe product management is a team sport so this is kind of where I try to spend my day to day on. But more tactically, what we're really trying to do is find customer problems and really understanding which are the most important ones for us to solve. When you think about TV, it's easy to always go into the the usual suspect problems or just problems that we all believe exist when we're trying to watch television. but pluto tv is is different it has a very different set of consumers that are using the product 
there's a certain value proposition and promise that we've already that we create and we you know continue to create with our users it's it's important for us to stay true to that value proposition we are as our you know brand says it's drop in it's free and we really we really subscribe to that no pun intended but we really do subscribe to that value proposition right like it's important for us to be seamless it's important for us to be an easy service to use so when you think about discovery and experiences mm-hmm. a big part of what we are always mm-hmm. trying to find is where are we making it difficult for our users what are some of the pain points that they have that we need to incorporate and make sure that we are constantly in touch with our users and we are solving problems for them so uh, from a day to day standpoint we try to keep a good balance between discovery and delivery where you know we are constantly delivering new features and making sure that the the product is is evolving and improving but also we're trying really hard to stay very close to our users how often can we talk to them how often can we make sure we are looking at app store reviews different forums where users are letting us know what they're interested in or what they like or what they don't like so it's a big part of our day to day is making sure there's a good balance between both of these awesome and you mentioned finding customer problems and i know one of the key things we wanted to talk about today was just how you have formed your group into really being a truly customer first product group so how do you find you know those pain points and problems what does that feedback loop with customers look like i think for like apps and websites it may be a little easier because you can get direct feedback through app reviews or let's say analytics that are built into a product but if you're looking at a television device how do you uh, pull analytics from that interaction so i'd love to learn more about how that works for you that's a great question mark and i think a big part of what i've realized working in the streaming industry for some time now is it isn't always a push system meaning it's not always users giving you feedback explicitly and you kind of just saying oh i here's what i've learned from my users now i'm going to go implement it to your point right like you can always look at app store reviews and gives you an idea of maybe where your users are there is a certain level of pull that is needed here as well so what we try and do is we have a set of users that we've recruited that our user research team is constantly expanding and and has a relationship with where we have the ability to go talk to our users and ask them about certain features or we have the ability to talk to our users send them certain surveys that where they can tell us what is working what is not working but long story short it's different methodologies of where we are asking our users for more feedback that's definitely one way that you know we've been able to get better at staying connected with our users on the other side it's also important to to know who your user really is right streaming is a it's not a niche anymore it's not something that a few people are using it has become mainstream it has become kind of a part of our daily lives a lot of people don't even realize that they're consuming content through streaming so it's it's important to really understand who your target customer is and you know i definitely don't want to sound like we've cracked it and we know exactly what we're doing here but i think it's a constant process of really evolving and understanding your customer the other thing that you know we're fortunate in some way uh, at pluto tv that we have a lot of loyal customers that are not shy about giving us feedback about what is working and what's not working and you know i think genuinely feel that's fortunate and we're blessed to have uh, a user base like that wants to give us more information because i think they truly believe in what we stand for the fact that we are free the fact that we are creating that nostalgic experience that people are craving for i think a lot of people are rooting for us and they tend to give us a lot of feedback on where things can get better 
So we try to make sure we have our hands in all the different forums where customers can reach out to us. So think of Reddit, your App Store reviews, just our social media handles. We have a team that can, and some tools as well that help us aggregate different like social listening tools that help us aggregate customer feedback from different forums. So I think it's, and we're always finding new ways to talk to our users. But the core, I think the, the, the point that I love to make here and I'm trying to make here is it is very important that we take some time out of the day to have that connection with our users. And we are constantly trying to better our processes and just our mindset as product managers, where it's not just about delivering features, but how do we create a mindset, a culture around making sure we're staying connected to our users. The way users communicate with us have evolved over the years, and we just have to make sure that we are constantly in line with where our users are of how they want to give us feedback. I love that statement you made about the push and pull and how it's not always just about pushing things to your end user, but also being active and proactive about getting that feedback and pulling them into what you need. And in my experience, I think that signs of non-customer centric companies and product teams are ones where only a small part of the overall organization is really interacting with that customer. Uh, So for instance, if it's only your UX designers who are dealing and getting that customer feedback, but not your developers or not your C-level suite. I feel like there's a disconnect there. So I'm curious to know who is interacting with the customers. Is it across the full organization wide where everyone kind of pulls in feedback, consolidates, and that's how you approach problems? What does that feedback loop look like? Sure. I'd say an ideal state is definitely what you're, how you're summarizing it, right? Where everybody in the organization is close to their customer. It is definitely something that we are striving to do as well. We want to make sure there's there's more horizontal communication within the organization and, and also sharing of information amongst all the different teams. That said, you know, it is it is a process. We are evolving as a strong product team right now. Currently, I'd say the product teams, the engineering teams, and the, the design and research teams are the ones that are closer to the user. Of course, you have your customer service teams that are also close, but you know, as like main stakeholders working on the on the product and kind of bridging the gap between where the customer's head's at and how our product roadmap looks like. I'd say these three teams are the closest to the user right now, but we have product insights as a function within the organization. We have business insights as a function within the organization. So they're all doing different aspects of trying to be close to the user. One of the things that we all are trying to do actively within the organization is how do we do this more efficiently? How do we kind of break any silos that might exist between different teams and within the organization. Again, don't want to sound like we have it all figured out, right? I think a big part of what we are all trying to do here is get better at all of that. Pluto TV has seen some great growth over the over the last few years, and we've scaled pretty significantly over the last last few years. So with that comes just, you know, growing pains of, of being a scaling organization. But there is a constant focus on being able to do that at scale and getting closer to that ideal spot, which is everybody in the organization kind of is, is truly aware of who their user is and what their needs are. But the short answer to your question, I'd say the, the main stakeholders that are close to doing this is your engineering product and design design teams. Awesome. And so now we're talking about the team structure, and this is a great segue to get into a bit more of your expertise and what you do as a product leader. So I know one of the key focuses of your responsibility is building and managing a product management culture. So I'd love if you could talk a little bit about what exactly you mean by product management culture and not to be confused with like company culture. 
Sure. Yeah, and this is, I think, you know, it's just definitely an area of passion for me. I think before I became a product manager, I, I didn't really know what product management truly was. And after I started, was you know, had a few years of being a product manager and then leading teams and talking to some some professionals in the industry about product culture. What does that really mean? What is product culture? How is that different from company culture? Kind of the question that you're that you're posing right now. I think product culture is. I wouldn't say it's too different from company culture, and here is why I say that. I believe product culture is about truly empowering your product managers to solve problems. Again, sounds kind of vague and high level, but I've been in organizations and I've seen situations where product management at times becomes a means to to an end. What I mean by that is leaders can look at product managers as a way to deliver features, right? Like how do we get features out versus truly obsessing over the problem that you're trying to solve. And I think where product culture becomes an important aspect is how do we create this ecosystem where people that are problem solvers, which a lot of product managers innately are, how do you create that ecosystem for them to actually solve problems? How do you make sure there is alignment on the type of problems that you're trying to solve? How do you measure solving those problems? Creating that culture of really being able to have conversations, being able to fail to succeed, I think is another big part of product culture. But again, long story short, it's in my opinion, a product culture is is creating a safe space for problem solvers to solve problems versus creating a culture of of a feature factory, if that makes sense, right? Like just getting a list of things that we need to do and more around getting those tasks or those features out as soon as possible. Where I'd say it's a little different from company culture is, you know, company culture also is about your people. It's it's about how can you, in my opinion, at least it's about how can you create a, a safe space for your people and, and they're feeling that they're invested in, in the company and they want to, it's a partnership in the end, right, of how can we empower our employees to do good work that helps the broader cause of the organization as well. I don't think it's that different from product culture, but it's also, when it comes to about product management, there's a specific aspect of problem solving that I believe is extremely important to empower your teams with. Your answer really touches upon, I think, the relevance of just culture in general in a company. I think when you think about culture, historically, people would say, oh, what is my culture like? We've got a pool table and free kombucha in the break room and happy hours and all of these, if you will, so superficial types of things that get people to work harder, if you will. Right. And I think what's happened now that we've gone remote and people are working from home and out of the office, building culture is much less about those kind of perks and benefits that don't really add anything aside from, you know, free coffee. Uh, and it's great that you're saying that, you know, there is a very, there's very much of an overlap where culture is about creating an open space to just explore and figure out how to solve problems. And I love that answer. And I love that you've kind of touched upon that because it's so relevant in how businesses are operating right now. Right. And I think I think the pandemic has definitely changed a lot of people's perspectives about, you know, some of the things that you've mentioned, Mark, of free kombucha, happy hour Fridays and Wednesdays. I think people have started to realize maybe collectively as a society, we see that those those are good perks to have, but not necessarily what drives and motivates people to do better, right? Like, how do I, as an individual, want to do better myself tomorrow versus what I was yesterday? And how do I continuously evolve and get better at within my profession as a human being myself? So I think that's where culture really comes in. It is how do 
at least how I look at it is in the end it's it's human beings at the end of all of this and you know they all have different perspectives and different problems and things they deal with and it's important to respect that and and know that that is a part of just what we're doing here collectively it's a group of human beings trying to figure out how to work together so i think it's it's you know empathy is a big part of of all of that and i think that's that's something that that for me stands out as culture in general and since my function is within product management and what i can control i you know would like to call it product culture but i i think to your point it, it it's it's culture in general yeah i agree i mean i love i love free coffee <laughs> i love having freebies <laughs> right. in an office but having gone remote what i value more is you know a flexible work schedule for example having the priority be on getting the work done and getting it done well over logging my 9 to 5 hours is just much more empowering for me to and much more empowering and much more motivating uh, so yeah i think there's just been much more of a blend there but and you mentioned empathy and being human as a leader do you have any best practices or just really high level guiding principles that you use to lead your team that you can share i mean i don't know if i have frameworks as such but definitely i think it's important to know that empathy is important if that makes sense for example i think a lot of times what happens is especially as product managers because you're constantly solving problems you're tuned to as soon as you find a problem you're tuned to close the loop with the solution right and and solutions can have a lot of biases within them because if if you're not open to kind of looking at different people's perspectives it could be a solution that works for you and you're not even realizing that you're solving the problem for yourself so what i try to do is just kind of try and be very aware of that and what i mean by that also is like sometimes it's just having that conversation as a as a team in our standups right like hey let's just make sure we're doing these things let's check ourselves let's make sure we're not jumping to a solution without truly understanding who we're solving it for let's please put ourselves in the user's shoes let's empathize with who we're solving the problem for like a, a, a an example that comes to my mind is a lot of what me and my team do is solving problems for for kids or for for parents that have young kids i can only empathize with a parent with young kids because i i'm not that person i don't i'm not a parent i don't have a young kid but i'm constantly solving problems for them so i can't solve a problem based on what i think is the best for that parent i really need to understand what is top of mind or what is exactly the problems that they're running into to truly be able to solve that problem for them so i think from like a best best practices or or principles it's for me it comes down to communication it comes down to having a transparent and an open conversation with your teams it's it goes back to that culture right like i'm okay being vulnerable with my team i'm okay saying hey i made a mistake or you know i don't want to talk about this is why maybe i made this decision maybe it was not the best decision but the more we have these conversations as a collective team i think it just opens us up to be more transparent with each other it opens us up to check each other at times and it doesn't seem like it's it's coming from a bad place so for me i think the secret of a successful team comes down to open communication and really looking at it as a team sport it's not about how i can get better than you or i have a better idea than you it's it's a true team sport and you're only as good as your teammate and it's it's having those conversations to make sure we're all on the same page and there's alignment across them yeah i believe myself as a leader one of the hardest challenges i've learned was building that open communication and transparency with people that you work with and being able to own up to decisions that you've made or taking ownership and saying hey i made a mistake but it's okay and i think as a leader once you're able to have that and set that as a precedent 
it really does open up the conversation for your fellow colleagues or people that work for you to also just feel comfortable about making mistakes and not having to be perfect. And I think when you talk when you think about product and innovation and exploration, there's going to be a lot of mistakes that you find, you know, that final solution. And so I love that idea of keeping open communication and having a very, I guess, openness to being vulnerable, because I feel like that's really valuable as well in terms of creating a culture of innovation, if you will. Absolutely. I think just just to add to what you just mentioned there, Mark, um, product management is, in my opinion, it's a game of how do you, failing is a good thing in product management, in my opinion. You, you learn a lot when you fail. And those learnings, I think, teach you a lot more and helps you expedite kind of getting closer to a solution to a problem than your successes do, from my experience. In fact, there's a lot of studies out there that, that say that most ideas fail. And what product managers should try and do is do it at, at such a fast rate that you get to that that solution that wins sooner than later, right? And I think that goes back into the product culture of failing is not the issue here. It is maybe not being close to you use it as much as you have to be or really making sure that you're you're trying. I think trying has a lot more weightage than just purely, you know, failing for that matter. So I, I couldn't agree more with you. I think it's, you know, as especially as a, a leader of a team, it's it's important to let your teams like kind of find their way because it's nobody knows the answers and it's important for us to all figure it out by by constantly trying. Yeah, failure is very uncomfortable. I know for a lot of people, even myself, having been in the industry for a few years, it's not ever, let's say, a good feeling. But I would totally echo what you're saying in terms of you learn so much more about your failures and how to improve upon them than if everything was just 100% successful and perfect. I believe like in the past few years of the pandemic, a lot of learning, working remote and figuring out how people are interacting with things in this kind of digital collaborative world. So definitely a lot of trial and error. And I love that you've pointed out the fact that it's not about the failure per se. It's what's more important is that you're trying and you're learning from those failures. And so I know you've been brought on board for this team to build out the product management culture, and we've touched upon a lot of this. So my next question is twofold. What were some of the biggest challenges you had coming into your new role in terms of you know building up this culture? And as well, for someone else who's going into a new role that has that is going to be tasked with the same responsibilities. Is there any advice you would give them for building out product culture where it might not exist in an existing company? Sure, I'll, I'll maybe start with just you know what I some of the challenges that I faced when I when I started, and then maybe go into maybe what my two cents could be based on my experience. I'd say the biggest challenge I faced is I came with some experience of creating a new product culture in my previous organization, or at least being a, a major part of a, a product transformation, so to speak, right? Of like going from this approach of how do I get feature A, feature B, feature C, feature D out to really focusing on, those are all important things. Delivery is extremely, it's, it's one of the most important things like in the end, you can have all the ideas, but if it doesn't get delivered to your user and the value is not, it's not valuable to the user, then there's no point of of the ideas you have. But it's also important to make sure that there is the same level of rigor that goes into what you're solving. So I'd spend a lot of my time doing that. When I started in my position, Pluto TV, I felt had a really good handle on the delivery process. They were an organization, they are an organization that I'd say is, is, is a mature delivery organization. They know how to work with a plethora of scrum teams. 
They know how to manage cross-functional dependencies. In, in short, they were, they were a good delivery. They are a good delivery organization. They know their delivery process pretty well. And just the fact that it's a, a, a company that's scaling at a really fast rate, it's really important to make sure you're keeping up with that growth and you're, you're making sure you're distributing on all the different streaming platforms that are available, you're accounting for all the different form factors and code bases that you have to build for. So it is a pretty free organization. For me, the, the challenge was how do we make sure we're keeping that active, the delivery part active, but also focusing on a continuous discovery mindset, right? Like how do we really keep close to our users, but without, we, we don't want to impact something that is working well. You want to make sure we're still constantly delivering value to our users. But at the same point, the industry is changing. There's more competition right now. People's expectations are changing. Are we sure we are in touch with our users? Do we really understand what, what is changing? Are we kind of maybe falling into just focusing on the features that are top of mind for most people? If you're in the streaming industry, there are certain features that are just top of mind, right? And it's easy to get into just wanting to deliver those. Not that they're not important, they are. I think you kind of need a certain level of parity when it comes to being in the streaming space and making sure that there are some best basics covered. But also at the same point, how do you stand out in what is becoming truly a commoditized industry right now? There's a lot of free ad-supported service, services that have come up. So I'd say the challenge was really understanding how do we create that discovery culture within, within Pluto? There's a lot of manuals out there. There's a lot of great books out there that tell you, here is how you can do discovery well. But in the end, you know, time is an extremely critical variable that we all have to, we have to think about. There's only so many hours in a day. So how do we do justice to not impacting something that's working well, but also starting something new and do all of this at scale? So I said that was the biggest challenge is how do I change my approach of bringing in product culture and not just use a, a cookie cutter approach of, hey, this has worked there. Now let's just do the same thing here. I had to take a backseat and really be like, oh, I might need to understand my users here, which is my team. I need to do the same thing that I'm preaching about discovery, which is really understanding what my customers want. What are their pain points? How do I empathize with them? What are they running into on a day-to-day -day basis? It's easy for me to say, hey, you need to do these A, B, C, and D to do discovery well, but they probably are running into challenges and why they're not able to do that. So what are those? They were good challenges, but I'd say that was definitely, those were some of the challenges that I, I ran into, which is a product culture is not a one-size-fits-all for all companies. It's in the end, you know, understanding the talent and the ecosystem you're in and being able to create the right environment for the circumstances that you have to be, that you have to live within. So I'd say that was probably the biggest challenge and it's something that it's a it's a good challenge it's a good problem to have and it's continues to be one that i'm actively focused on that was great and what's funny about having these conversations and hearing other leaders talk about things that i'm also familiar with is it's refreshing and also motivational at the same time knowing that i'm not the only one dealing with this idea of continuous discovery and making sure as a lead and product manager that you are doing justice to what the end user wants. And I think it's really easy to focus, like you said, on some of those high-level features that have just been prioritized by the industry versus actually taking the time to figure out, well, hey, what is actually not working? What is working? What are people saying about our product? And then doing something new and innovative and trying new solutions while also maintaining the stability of your current product. So 
that's a great challenge. I definitely resonate with that one because uh, it's something always on the back of my mind whenever I'm working on something. And it is easy to fall into the hole of, let's just go through my normal methodology. Right. But you're right. It's not a one-size-fits-all solution. And I think that would be my, my two cents to anybody else that might be joining an organization is it's good to bring in your expertise. It's good to bring in the awareness of what has worked for you and what has not worked for you. But I would bring that in as that and not as a solution to a problem that you don't even know yet, right? Like it could be, it's important to have context of where your organization is. It's important to give it the time that it needs to, to really understand what is it that you're trying to solve. Sometimes it might look like the same problem, but the why behind the problem might be completely different. And it's really important to understand that context. So I think that's something that I have learned myself. It's something that I think, you know, from, from my own experience, it's important to trust the process a little bit and really, and really empathize. Again, going back to empathy, right? Like it's, it's understand who you're solving it for. What is it that they're running into before you have this preconceived notion of, I have a solution and I'm going to bring it in. I'd say that's maybe what our advice is. Bring in your expertise, bring in your, your kind of quote-unquote baggage that you might have, but don't use it to solve the problems that you're not completely sure of what they are yet. That's great. And just to add to that advice, I, I feel like it really lines with, as well, working with, let's say, visual designers and anyone that has a need for technical expertise in a particular platform or program or product, et cetera. Obviously, having the background and technical expertise in, let's say, Photoshop or any sort of other platform is really important, right? You need to know how things work and what process is like and how to go through one, two, three. But at the same time, it's and going back to it, it's not one size fits all. And you have to know the rules so that you can break the rules, if you will, because not every solution is going to be a one, two, three. So that's really relevant advice. Speaking of advice, I'm going to back this conversation out a little bit more. What is some advice that you would give your younger self, having gone through your years of experience in your career? I think my perspective about things in life have definitely evolved, and I'm, you know, I'm definitely one of the, you know, one of those people that where the pandemic definitely changed my outlook to life. So I think you know one thing that I would definitely, if I had the chance to go back and tell my younger self, is is just one, don't take yourself too seriously. Do the best you can. Make sure you're you're helping people around you as you're doing it, but don't take yourself too seriously. It's not the end-all, be-all. Your family is important. Your loved ones are important. And I'm not just saying that because, you know, you realize that, but I've, I've realized that the more, for me at least, if I have that balance of what I my profession to be and not having my blinders about, hey, I just want to go all in and I'm a 24-7 guy and I just want to do my careers, everything, it does impact, for me at least, it does impact how you progress there. If you have a more well-rounded outlook to life, it has helped me get better in my career, my profession as well. So I would say that would maybe an, an advice I would give to myself is slow down. It's okay. You don't have to do everything right now. Trust the process. And be patient and, you know, just reach out, reach out more to people around you and don't have blinders on from a, from a professional standpoint. That is great advice. I'm sure your younger self would appreciate, but also a lot of people right now could definitely use to hear that. So thank you for sharing. I know we are coming up on time here, but before we close things up, we do like to wrap up our episodes with what we call our Majestic Bite, which is a key takeaway that our audience can walk away from from listening this episode today. 
you share what your majestic bite would be for today's episode? For sure. This is definitely me wearing my product manager hat on as well as I'm answering that question. But also, I think it applies outside of that. I truly believe all problems are people problems. And that's something that I think, you know, it took me some time to really understand that mentor of mine and brought it up in, in, in a conversation I was having. It really hit me that in the end, you're working with people. And it's important to to know that you're working with people. I'd say, you know, that's something that I've truly adopted. I think it's changed my outlook to life in general. I'm a little more, I think, not, not to overuse the word empathy here, but it is. it does come down to that. It is, you know, just putting yourself in somebody else's shoes, not jumping to a conclusion, not judging people or trying to go down a certain path aggressively. But I'd say that's that's definitely, you know, something that I would share with the listeners is, you know, when you really think about all problems are people problems, there's somebody, there's a person on the other side trying to figure that out. So how do you work closely with them and how do you make sure you understand that it is a human being on the other side trying to solve that problem. That is a great bite. And in a world where we are all connected now <laughs> digitally through computer screens, it's really easy to forget that there's someone on the other side of that camera. And so that's a great reminder for everybody listening in today. Thank you for sharing that. And so where can people go to find out more about you or your company? Can you share any links or social media that they might be able to find you at? Sure. I'll start with Pluto TV. I mean, at Pluto TV, you should be able to find us on, on most, if not all, social media platforms. Pluto TV is a global streaming service, so people around the world can find specific country, country-specific information as well, depending on where it's available. But yeah, I think Pluto.tv is, is the best place to go and, and find all that information. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram to find more what's happening on a day-to-day basis, what new content we're launching, etc. With respect to me, I'd say, you know, LinkedIn is definitely in the best place to to reach out to me or, or find more information about me on Rabi Sheikh Nagaraju. I'd say, you know, those are some of the, the places where you can get more information about Pluto and myself. Thank you. We'll share those links when we share this episode out. But Abhi Sheikh, thanks so much for coming on the show today. It was great talking with you. Loved having this conversation about just product and culture and building leadership. So thanks for coming on today. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, Margo. It's great. Great conversation and big fan of what you guys are doing here. Thanks. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review. You can see all the show notes and details related to this episode at majesticapps.com.